Jesus Christ was crucified on Passover. He was buried on unleavened bread and resurrected on first fruits. Now, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits are Jewish feast days. It was Passion Week in Jerusalem when Jesus Christ fulfilled these first three Jewish feast days. Hi, everybody. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, and you need to understand the connection between the passion of Jesus Christ and prophecy. We have available for you a series entitled The Passion and Prophecy, a five-hour CD audio series that will help you look at the period of the passion, the place of the passion, the red heifer, and how Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of that particular Jewish ordinance. What about the Song of Songs? That's the Song of Solomon's, and the Jewish people believe that is the Holy of Holies in Scripture. And then I'll be talking about the Mount of Olives on this series. Would you like to hear an introduction to the Passion and Prophecy, this five-hour CD audio series? Well, if you would, just stay right there because we're going to play an introduction, and I'll be back to tell you how you can get your own personal copy of the Passion and Prophecy. Now here's the introduction. All right, now if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 16 and 17. Uh, this is uh, really what started me to thinking about the subject on which I'm going to be speaking tonight. Matthew, chapter 16 and chapter 17, location-wise, if you know biblical geography, would be at the area called Caesarea Philippi in the northeastern corner of the state of Israel, right at the end of the Golden Heights, where the location of Mount Hermon is. It's Mount Hermon being over 9,000 feet high, highest mountain in the state of Israel, now in the state of Israel, could well not be in the state of Israel should President Assad of Syria have his way and they get the Golden Heights back, which would be disastrous as far as the Jewish people are concerned. They could turn off the water supply for the Jewish people because the melting snows from Mount Hermon are the headwaters for the Jordan River. And uh, you go to the place called the Banyas, and there you stand and you see the, the waters, the melting snows starting there, make their way down towards the Dead Sea, actually meandering their way through the mountainside down to the Sea of Galilee and then from there to the Dead Sea. But it was at this location, standing in Caesarea Philippi, in the foothills of Mount Hermon, that I started to think about the subject on which I want to speak this week. And if I had a, a title, let me probably entitle this whole study, The Passion and Prophecy. Now, you know what the passion is, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Passion Play, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, The Passion and Prophecy. Now, how did I, as I looked at Matthew chapter 16, really get into that? Well, check with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 16. Now, remember, they're at uh, Caesarea Philippi, and it is this location where Jesus turns to his disciples and say, Who do you say that I am? And remember, Jesus confronted Peter and congratulated Peter for recognizing that, that he was the Son of God. And, and then, of course, Peter uh, starts to chastise Jesus in a few moments. And that's what Jesus said to Peter is what alerted me to what we are thinking about this evening as it relates to our Bible study, the Passion and Prophecy. Notice what uh, after 
Jesus had congratulated Peter on recognizing that, saying that Peter has the keys to the kingdom, and indeed Peter did have the keys to the kingdom. He went first to the Jews, then he went to the Samaritans, which were basically Jews and Gentiles mixed together, and then he went to the Gentiles. So he had the keys uh, to heaven as far as all mankind was concerned. But right after that, in verse 21 of Matthew 16, uh, Jesus says something that is very interesting, and from that point on, he is going to be talking to um, the disciples about this subject, and he's going to be dealing with them as it relates to this subject. Look at verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Very first time that Peter, John, and all the other apostles or the disciples hear this from the mouth of Jesus Christ. They don't understand what it's talking about. Peter, in fact, starts to rebuke Jesus. He's just said, thou art the Son of God, thou art the Messiah. And now he's saying, no, you're not going to do that, Jesus. You're not going to go to Jerusalem and die and be buried and raised from the dead. You're not going to do it. Not so, Lord. By the way, you can't say not so, Lord, can you? Because if you say not so, he's not Lord. And if he's Lord, you can't say not so. But Peter said it three times. Here's the first time he ever said it. And he starts to argue with Jesus. But he said, from here, we're going to be heading down to Jerusalem ultimately. And there I'm going to be killed. Then I will be raised from the dead. Now, chapter 17, they're still in Caesarea Philippi. And this is how I know the location of where the transfiguration took place. There's some traditional sites in Israel. But I go by biblical geography trying to authenticate a location when we're looking at where things took place or Jesus was when certain events happened. He has not left Caesarea Philippi. He stays around for about six days, and then he goes and gets three of his disciples. Before he does that, look at the last verse in chapter 16, verse 28. Verily I say unto you, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, in his glory, in what he has promised these people, his kingdom. And he, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as the Messiah. He said, there's some standing here that are not going to pass away till you see me that way. Chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them unto the high mountain apart, Mount Hermon, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as light, He's transfigured. He is glorified. He is in his glory as he will be in the future when he returns to this earth, when he sets up his kingdom. Now, Peter thinks they're in the kingdom. You know how I know? Look at the next verse. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, take the talking with him. Then answered Peter and said, Jesus, uh, unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah. What is he saying here? He's not talking about putting up a monument for these three. He's talking about putting up a tabernacle or a booth. We're going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles forever. If you've heard my study on Zechariah, we talk about chapter 14 of Zechariah, says that one of the feasts we will celebrate forever 
is the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. When the Jewish people get under a sukkah or under a booth, which is what they lived in when they came out of Egyptian bondage and were in the wilderness the first year. And they're to remember how it was then. And that's the purpose for the celebration of this feast. And it's going to be a prophetic picture of the kingdom to come. And now here's Jesus in his glorified body. Jesus just said, some of you are going to not die before you see me in my glorified body. He's now in his glorified body. There's Moses. There's Elijah. And Peter says, naturally, the kingdom is here. Let's celebrate tabernacles. Where are the booths? Let's put up three booths and we'll go in. But you see what I saw right here? The connection between the passion. He just got finished saying. I mean, what is Peter thinking about? He just got finished saying, I've got to go to Jerusalem and die. I'll be buried and I'll resurrect. And now he's talking about his coming back to the earth to set up the kingdom. And so I started to see a connection between the passion and prophecy. Look over in chapter uh, 15 of the book of 1 Corinthians. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now you probably know this is the ultimate as far as teaching on two of the major doctrines that we have in Christianity. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, the first 50 verses basically talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. With chapter 15, he proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he did die, was buried, and resurrected from death into life. And he says, I am the first fruits of the resurrection that you will participate in. And so he's laying out detailed information, exact information. He said, hey, Mary Magdalene saw me first. Peter and John saw me second. All the apostles, all the disciples, except for the person of Thomas, saw me third. And then Thomas saw me again with the disciples. And then I came to the Galilee, and over 500 people at one time saw me alive. Now, how many witnesses do you need? That's over 500 witnesses. We can go to a court of law here. All you need is two witnesses. Over 500 witnesses saw Jesus Christ alive. But then what happens in chapter 15, verse 51? What does he start explaining in chapter 15, verse 51? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. By the way, that's the sign they put in the nurseries, the churches. Uh, <clears throat> verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this incorruptible must, uh, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. What is he talking about here? He's talking about another basic doctrine of the church, the rapture of the church. And so within one chapter, two major events, oh, by the way, you know what? The church age is started with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it concludes with the rapture of the church. And so found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the two together, the passion and prophecy. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the calling up of the church to be with him forever, never to leave his presence. Look at Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. Man, I've studied Revelation chapter 1 so many times since Jack Wurtz many years ago asked me to teach, 
You know the reason I started studying prophecy? Jack asked me to teach the book of Revelation to the kids at the ranch up in Scroon Lake. Can you imagine that? Six to 12-year-olds. Well, uh, now, children, let's all turn to Revelation 19, verse 12, and we're going to look at <laughs> You don't do it that way. Uh, that's why I developed my walk through Revelation. That's why I'm so animated when I'm teaching, because Jack started me out teaching to little kids. But you know what? He figured, just like Dr. Harry Ironside, if you can teach the little kids and they can understand it, you can teach old people. I mean, they're not quite as smart as little kids, but they can catch on pretty quickly. And that's what God has allowed me to do. What a great basic training Jack Hurtson set me into, starting to teach Revelation. But Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, look at this. Man, I love this verse. This is the cornerstone for Christianity right here. You know what he says? I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. The testimony of Jesus Christ. Everything in Christianity is based upon that one verse. If that one verse is incorrect, or Jesus did not tell the truth, we can wipe out our desire to go to heaven through the person of Jesus Christ. Because if he didn't live, and he didn't die, and he doesn't live, it's all a lie that we have been caught into. It's the cornerstone. It's the, it's the bedrock for everything. But where is it? Chapter 1, Revelation. Revelation, a timeline for the Christian looking into the future, starting with all that's going to take place today and then into the future. That which ye have seen, that which is now, and that which will shall be hereafter. Revelation 1, 19. But before he says that, I am he that was alive and dead. Now stand before you alive. The passion and prophecy, his death, burial, and resurrection. And let me think with you about three things. First of all, I want to think with you about the importance of the theme of the passion. And then I want to think about the importance of the type seen within the passion. And thirdly, I want to think of, with you about the importance of the time of the passion. The Passion and Prophecy is the title of a series, a five-hour CD audio series that deals with the passion of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Where did it happen? What day did it happen? How did it all come about? How does the red heifer play into that? What about the Mount of Olives? And what about the Song of Songs, which is a Bible book that is the Holy of Holies for the Jewish people? All of this, a part of this five-hour CD audio series, The Passion and Prophecy. It's available. You can go to our website, www www.prophecytoday.com. Go to the shopping mall and click on the Passion and Prophecy. We'll tell you how you can get your copy. Or you can call our toll-free number and order it from those who will be in the office responding to your call. That toll-free number, 8-PROPHECY-8, that's 877-674-3298. It's a toll-free number from all across America. Call right now and order your copy, the five-hour CD audio series of The Passion and Prophecy. And what you're going to come to realize is that we're quickly approaching the time when Jesus will shout to call us to be with him in the heavens. You know, that could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until.